right. Um, hello and welcome to All Governor of the Podcast. As always, I am Abdullah, and my guest today is John Allen. How you doing, John? Hi, I'm all right. I uh, busy, busy day, but uh, I try to keep my appointments. <laughs> Crazy. My level's okay. The last time I tried using the good equipment on on a, a podcast kind of thing, they they told me I was clipping a bit, but I think we got it figured out this time. No, no, it's it, you sound great. Um, crazy, Thank you. That's what uh, I was looking for. Yeah, a crazy couple of uh, years has been, hasn't it? <laughs> Why did something happen? <laughs> God, I, I wasn't aware of any changes in the status quo over the last couple of years. Yeah, it's, it's it's so weird because while as I'm recording this, this is like the first I, I I was I was on vacation for a couple of um couple of weeks only a week but but like doing the whole trip from uh the the kuwait to um america for only like uh 10 days is just like insane to me but we did it and it's it's my mind is like all over the place right now <laughs> like oh. was that your first time visiting our neck of the woods or no i've been there years before like i've been there um a while like i, I it's because Oh God! Like to to go back to like the very beginning when I was like a kid. I remember we used to go to America much more frequently before the, you know, before that thing happened <laughs> that made um made travel much. Which one? <laughs> I mean, the the constant fires, the pandemic, the insurrection. Oh my God! Uh, the Kardashians. I mean, you know, I, I think after like a lot, a lot of silliness. I mean, after like nine eleven, that kind of like changed the whole the whole uh yeah. traveling there because before it was like so you got to take easier. your shoes off now yeah because before it was like so much more easier to just travel there like if you just wanted to go to the u.s for a couple of um couple of days you could but now it's like shit i, I don't you know you have to jump through so many hoops and it's like we were even worried about like are they going to give us visas because we you know we were dealing with we were trying to go a couple of years ago, you know, after things settled down from the pandemic, but we couldn't because it's like mm -hmm. visa issues. And we were shocked. Like, it's like, oh, yeah. finally, they gave us like the visa issues cleared and we can finally go. And it's, and it was really great because this is the first time I've, I've traveled since the pandemic. And man, it just, it just feels great to just, um, to just go out again. All just to go to Denny's. <laughs> Yeah. Sir, I'll have you know we are we are a Bubba Gump shrimps. <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough. I mean, I'm assuming you guys already have like a McDonald's out there because every country has a McDonald's because they like own half the world or whatever. But anyway. <clears throat> oh yeah. Um, it's, Continue. It's it's kind of funny you mentioned McDonald's because like before the last day we were like shopping at at like an outlet mall. When he found a McDonald's and my mom was like, do you want McDonald's? I'm like, no, <laughs> like why, mm -hmm. why would I come all over the, the world to just eat at a McDonald's? Like it's McDonald's. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, what, what is like, uh, do you guys have like a chain restaurant out there? That's like your McDonald's per se. No, we don't. It's all like, um, Western stuff. Like it's all like McDonald's Burger King. We have a Wendy's now because of course we wow. do. <laughs> good so uh fascinating right stuff. on fascinating stuff but yeah. well that's the podcast thanks for tuning in this week <laughs> but um 
you know, we have to get right to your career and um, what you do for a living. So the first question is the obvious one. How did this all start for you? Um, I just, the, the joke that I, I like to make is that I realized in high school, I belonged in a uh, padded room screaming my head off. And uh, turns out some people get paid for that. So <laughs> yeah, that that's, I, I just kind of, it was about, uh, I would say junior year of high school that I realized I had a knack for, well, I mean, growing up, I'd always known that I could like change the sound of my voice and, and such and had an interest in making people laugh and telling stories and, and so on. Um, but it was about junior year of high school, I would say that I actually started thinking it was when the anime boom was happening in the very late 90s in the US that I was like, huh, you know, people get paid to uh, lend their voices to these shows. I've always, hmm, you know, let's look into that. And um, yeah, I mean, it's hard to summarize all the various twists and turns that have gone on over the years but um took some classes met some people put together demos auditioned and um then one day a fellow by the name of abdullah said hey would you mind uh coming on my show sometime and i said well yeah okay why not and was um dbz your first official credit it was. Um, <clears throat> I got invited to uh, visit Funimation back when it was in the the uh, Fort Worth area back in the early days, you know, like early 2000s. Um, and um, while I was over there and he was, you know, introducing me to people and, and such, he, um, I can't remember if it was, if I did this first or afterwards, there, there was one day where he asked if I could um, direct him as Vegeta which was fun. He wanted to make, you know, because the, 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 uh, the fan reception to the, uh, the Dragon Ball Z dubbing in the U S was very different at that time. So he's like, well, let's, let's have a episode where, you know, a fan is directing and that way there's no complaints. Um, and, uh, either the day before or the day after that, you know, he's, he's just, uh, going through the script and, um, seeing what ancillary still needed to be done on a couple of episodes during the boo saga looks at his script looks at me said hey john how would you like to play pink hat guy and i said that's the role i was born to play so hopped in the booth um knocked it out in a couple of takes and uh that was the beginning so yata and were you wearing a pink hat or were you not wearing a pink hat? I was not, but I was not. Uh, but when I got back to San Diego, <clears throat> um, told a friend of mine by the name of Sarah Powell about that. Uh, she reached into her closet, pulled out a pink hat and gave it to me. And that was, uh, I believe I still have it in storage somewhere. Um, but yeah, I, I, I've signed a couple of pink hats at conventions and things like that as well. I'm glad that a lot of people got in on the joke of like this, this one small thing and pretending it was like this huge thing. I mean, it was, and it wasn't, you know, it was, it was, it's DVZ for crying out loud, but it's like, I, you know, blink and you miss me yeah, because it, at least in that one. It's so weird because I, I was looking up your IMDB and I'm like, okay, pink hat guy, which dub was yeah. this, which year was this? Cause there yeah. have been a lot of English dubs. Right. Over. And I actually, I wrote it. I wrote a whole article about how the, uh, the dub has changed so many times for um, uh, Beckett magazine back in the day. But, but one thing, you know, speaking of uh, the various dubs of DBZ, one thing I found very flattering was you might recall that 
um, <clears throat> for certain markets, they went back to using the original Canadian cast for a while, right? Yep. And whoever was doing pink hat guy for that one, like was clearly like matching what I did with like the, the texture in my voice and stuff. I think it might've been Jason Gray Stanford, the guy who was the original Raditz doing the, come on, move it. So I just, I thought that was really cool. Like I'm who I'm being imitated, you know? Yeah. Because a lot of people don't realize that originally it was the ocean group. They were the first people to officially dub the, dub dbz into english and then went to texas and then it stayed in texas mm-hmm. and then you know it came back to um ocean yeah you just interviewed brian drummond didn't you yeah and we talked about that all yeah in, all in that interview so go check that out if you haven't <laughs> so yeah that's one of the reasons it sold me i was like oh you got brian i'd like to be mentioned in the same vein as brian drummond yeah i'll do his show it really came down to timing uh, obviously but like you know that that certainly didn't turn me away i've I've had the i actually had the chance to speak with brian uh very early on in in my uh uh career and he was he was very complimentary so like to all these years later to be mentioned like in the same tweets as as him every now and again and 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 things like this it's just pretty surreal to me you know because i do come from that place of of being a fan first and then going pro plus like you were you can say you were there from the beginning (laughs) yeah it's like i I didn't have the run with them back then that uh i and a lot of other people had envisioned but so yeah it's it's uh when i when i tell some of the stories like it's um it's sort of like i don't know if you've ever seen one piece which episode just just in general the show like i kind of it's kind of like how uh you find you know shanks is like a big deal in that show and you find out he was like a cabin boy on goldie rogers ship back in the day you know so he's got all these stories from from certain times like i was on a flight with uh coming back from um uh virginia with uh morgan berry who's um uh the star of uh yashihime the Inuyasha sequel and we were just kind of, you know, passing time on the flight, telling stories. And she's like, wait a minute, you, you got started before me? I'm like, yeah, but, you know, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it's just I don't market myself as well. Some people don't realize that. Yeah, because a lot of people are have the impression that, oh, you know, you've only been doing this for a couple of years. But I'm like, no, he's been around longer than that. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's it's because, um, you know, there there were. There were times I was years I was doing other things. Um, I was I was focusing more on stand up for a while. I was um, uh, on camera for a bit, and also <clears throat> there's a lot of voice work that that simply doesn't end up on IMDb because it's not um, like on a series. So like you know I, I've done stuff for like Microsoft and Applebee's and all these other companies, but that doesn't end up on on IMDb. So there's a lot more to the story than, than just what you see on the list. So if thank you for recognizing uh, that. I mean, when it comes to promo, I just want to mention that unless someone ripped those commercials and put them on their website, I had, I I have absolutely no idea if they did them or not. So yeah, because you don't get credit for what do you mean? You don't get credit for the promos. Like they don't say like. No, for the, the commercials. And it's, yeah. it's so hard to get your copies of your work back for your reel um, as well sometimes. So a lot of the time what I'll end up doing, at least a couple of times, what I've had to do is recreate the spot from my home studio because I want it on my reel. And I know people might recognize it, but it's like I don't have the original wave file or MP3. So I just have to you know recreate it like um, 
I was doing spots for Barona Casino for a while. And there was this really fun elf character spot that I did. So I ended up, you know, I couldn't get the copy of that. And I had to go and recreate it for my, for my, uh, my character and animation demo. That's just the way it goes sometimes. And it's also weird because I was watching um, American television during my, my time at uh, the hotels and like a Disney plus spot um, came on and it was my friend, um, Kane, Mur Kane Murray doing the, the voiceover for that. And I'm like, huh, there's Kane. <laughs> huh. Well, I'll be pretty cool. It's pretty cool. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Who also played um, Sports Max for people who, you know, there's your JoJo connection. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> just about, yeah, almost everybody's gotten a turn at JoJo at this point because it, it just keeps going and going. So they got to, uh, they got they got to keep finding people. Yeah, no, and uh, you know, speaking of JoJo, um, I forgot how much fun your character was. Like, even though he only had, appeared in like three episodes, he was a lot. Thank of you, fun. dude. Yeah, I was very apprehensive about taking Alessi at first because of some of the content, but I'm so glad I did because there's so many different levels to him, um, and, and it just gave me so much to do as an actor. You know, as far as like how he how he'll be like just completely sadist and then switch to being a coward um just so much so much fun to play also attaboy attaboy john attaboy to you <laughs> uh, yeah the catchphrase and the laugh I, I tried to keep as close to the uh the original japanese as possible like i think uh the irai ne is um um, it, like attaboy isn't like a direct translation, but it's as far as matching the mouth flaps and everything goes, it, it, it was the, what they, uh, they ended up going with, but even like a little lilt in his voice, like, I would try to keep his like attaboy, things like that were really fun to me. I mean, the, the official Jojo wiki says that that's his catchphrase and then that's why I'm going, that's what I'm going with. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like the lesser known catchphrase which is kind of a meme is the the bit where when he bursts through the wall and has the the reference to the shining um like in in japanese it's like and in the script um it was like lick lickety lick 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 <clears throat> which i think is what kyle Abair did for kakuin and if i'd known that maybe i wouldn't have proposed this but um I asked uh, the director, Tony Oliver, if he wanted me to try to, like, we, we tried doing it as written, the lick, lickety, lick, 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 but I was also trying to match the mouth work of the tongue lashing all over the place. Uh, uh, so it was like, lick, lickety, lick, 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 lick. and it was kind of coming out um, unintelligible. So I asked Tony, I was like, hey, could I maybe try it something a little bit closer to what was done in the original? You know, don't, you know, use it, don't use it, whatever, but can we at least try it? And he's like, yeah, go for it. So it was like, and then that's, to my surprise, when I saw the episode, that was the one that they they ended up keeping in. So so do you watch your own work or does it feel weird like listening to yourself in shows? I do because I'm very curious about seeing how certain things ended up. And also because of the fact that, you know, for marketing purposes, I want the footage to throw up on social media or add to the demos. And <clears throat> when I'm at the events, um, you know, people ask if I can do certain lines. So I'd like to kind of have those in my memory, in my Rolodex a little bit, so I can kind of pull those out and, and recreate those for people. 
And out of all the characters you've voiced, which one would you say was the toughest? Toughest? Um, uh, tough call. Uh, one that I wasn't sure. I'm I'm really good with like textured sounds and screaming, and that's why I end up getting those a lot because there's a lot of actors that shy away from that stuff. But um, I'll tell you one that I did last year that I wasn't sure if I was going to make it through the session was um. Oh, it was for the video game Smite, uh, Emir Cryonic Demon, which had a, a very guttural ground, excuse me, growl kind of sound like, I will serve you well. And doing that for a couple hours straight with exertions uh, will dry you out pretty quick because you're shoving that much more air through the, the vocal cords and every line. So I had to use like every trick in the book to, to get through that one. Um, Jamie love and Eden zero. And I, I absolutely loved playing him in spider to death. Those were another couple that were uh, very throat rippy as well. I've noticed that, you know, from the stuff I've seen you in your voice does not sound the same with each character and i like that i like that thank you that that's very versatile like because i had i had no idea you did the um red blood cell in um code black because i thought that that was someone someone else entirely because i'm like that doesn't sound like him at all oh that was that was me it was one of the um i didn't always get promoted too much on on some of the shows but i remember that was one of the the ones that that i was mentioned on the press release so uh, I was actually just, I was at Bang Zoom today doing um, some jujitsu stuff. And for the first time I met my engineer, Crystal, um, from, because, you know, we, we recorded that during the pandemic. So I hadn't met her in person, but we were actually just talking about uh, Cells at Work Code Black today. So very so, fulfilling to work on that show. Because I just got done watching that show for the first time in the English dub. And I'm like, wow, mm-hmm. this is... Um this is a pretty decent dub. Like it's, you know, all things considered like, yeah, there are some performances that are kind of, eh, but, but overall it's a pretty good dub. Well, I know, I know Wendy Lee, uh, who is our, our director on that. She, she put every ounce of effort and and talent that she could into that. And um, I'm, I'm really satisfied with how that's come out. And um, it's, it's definitely resonated with a lot of people. It's, I mean, my God, what a, uh, 180 tone shift from the original cells at work right yeah it's like the first uh cells at work is like this like slice of life yeah he uh almost almost like uh a day in the life of whatever and then you switch to code black where it's like oh yeah this body's dying and everything sucks and yeah it's very nihilistic almost well it's 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 absolutely a like a tragedy as far as the tone and how i was able to um, imagine being in a world I thought was ending during 2021. I have no idea. Uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, they, they, the, the darker tone was, was a very interesting choice. I also love that, um, you know, okay, spoiler alert from here on out. So if you have not seen uh, Cells at Work Code Black, um, skip a couple minutes here. But when your character dies... That was like really shocking to me because I'm like, oh man, I had no idea that they were going to kill him off like that because it happened so suddenly. Yeah, uh, it, it was, <clears throat> they were doing such a good job 
with the uh, the character arc for him and um yeah man that was a tearjerker as far as the the way he went out how he was like overcoming his fears and how he uh did everything that could he could to sacrifice himself for well did sacrifice himself for his buddy um i was mentioning this to to crystal earlier today what i found really cathartic both for me as an actor and i i would imagine for the audience as well is um you know i i mourned his loss as far as you know, I'm not going to be able to play this guy anymore. That's it. I'm done. And I remember uh, <clears throat> something like a week later, maybe two, I, I got an email um, saying, Hey, we need you to come back and, and do AC one, six, seven, seven. Again, I'm like, well, but it, it, it's done. I'm pretty sure he's, 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 you know, he's gone. <laughs> um, what it was, I thought maybe it was just a pickup session where they needed um some uh, some lines redone or something like that uh but it ended up being the bit where um the main character has a flashback to him but it's like it's not actually something that was seen before you know what i mean so i, I really like that bit where it's like you know don't take on the load by yourself and that kind of gives everybody a little bit of you know it eases the uh the pain of his loss which i thought was a really nice thing for them to do but I mean, it's still like very shocking because it the way sure. it's set up, like you 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 tell, I mean, because they set up this whole thing, like because a couple episodes ago, like there was this whole the nicotine episode where everyone mm-hmm. gets addicted to caffeine, and yeah. you know he almost ends up dying, and it's like, oh, they're not gonna kill him off, but then you know you get towards the end, and it's like, oh, nope, he's dead. <laughs> yeah, and um, oh, I had another thought, but I just lost it. Um, darn it. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. It was just, it was such a fun role to play. Oh, I was going to mention just how much um, I, I don't think I've seen this part, but I'm, I'm told that Kyle McCarley just absolutely sold the hell out of his, um, the scenes where he was expressing his grief for his best friend. So that's, um, that's really, you know, I mean, he's he's obviously uh, a good hand. So as much as it'll be probably heart-wrenching, I'm going to have to go back and, and see those parts at some point. No, I mean, Kyle absolutely knocked it out of the park when, you know, he let out that guttural scream. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he's a champ. Um, <clears throat> and out of all the people you've worked with, um, who would you say <clears throat> the most fun to, to be around? Um. Well, I mean, I've definitely got my my friends in the business. Um, Eric Kimmerer is someone that I I hear and see from a lot because in addition to doing, I mean, you know, with anime, we always record separately. We're never in the the same booth together. Um, but I've I've known him for a while, and we're also both on a, a wrestling show out here, uh, Wrestling Pro Wrestling. Um, another. Uh, good buddy of mine who I've shared some scenes with at least in Hunter Hunter as uh, Paul St. Peter, who you might know as the voice of Zemnis in kingdom hearts and uh, Kurama, the nine tailed Fox in Naruto. Um, but as far as like people, voice actors, I've actually gotten to be, you know, in the same room with and on mic with that's a little bit um, uh, farther between because it's, that's more like an ensemble recording, excuse me ensemble recording for prelay animation um joe on gujitsu is is rock jaw i like him 
Yeah, because um, I keep forgetting. Oh yeah, no uh, anime. It's like you know, you're just it's just you and the and the engineer, and that's it. Like it's you know, no one else basically. Right. Yeah. That's just there's too many very. I mean, it's different in in Japan as as you might already know, where they they do have an ensemble record, and that's just got to be a a nightmare for the um, the sound engineers and and everybody in post production. But that's how they do it. Well, yeah, obviously, because you know it's it's pre life to them, but to us, it's like we're you know we're it's already been done, but we gotta like yeah. dub it. So, yeah, and, uh, and I was referring to Joe Hernandez earlier, by the way. I forgot to mention his last name, but oh, there's yeah, your Joe, plug, Joe. Yeah, Joe Hernandez, who was in um <clears throat> as of this recording, um the new Fire Emblem. So, congrats to him on that. Mm-hmm. Ironically, he was asking, I'm not in Fire Emblem, and a while back he was asking me how to get an audition with Cup of Tea. Ah, funny how things work out. <laughs> not funny, ha ha, obviously. <laughs> I could have been that guy. <laughs> I don't know. That's Maybe that's payback for me doing Rock Jaw in the Gujitsu commercials or something like that. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? And uh, how did you take to the dubbing process? Like, was it easy to get into or was it hard? Um, As far as the actual act of doing it or the the business side of it? The actual act of doing it. Um, This might sound weird given that, you know, I wasn't doing it for a number of years, but um, I've always, there's some people that absolutely hate it or just can't do it. I've always sort of thrived on the challenge of it. Um, of being able to act with somebody else's mouth or mouths. Um, what I, I found interesting is that, you know, I've done ADR work on movies that I've actually been in, like on camera, and we've had to go back and do ADR to um, fix sound issues on those. And I, I find, oddly enough, that it's easier for me to act with someone else's mouth than my own. I don't know what that says about me, but... Um, I don't know. I've always, I've, I'm usually, you know, pretty speedy on, on that. I haven't had too many complaints. Any, I don't think. Because a lot of people struggle <clears throat> with it because I've talked to people who, you know, when they first got into it, like, you know, they, they have absolutely no idea what they're doing because like three beeps and there you go. And yeah. And, and it's like, you have to give a performance in a short amount of time. And it's like, that can't be right, but it is. Yeah, it takes some getting used to, and I've definitely had some some tough ones. I mean, I I can't think of any off the top of my head, but like um, there have been times like we've had to break up a loop into sections in order to get it all done right. Um, Alessi, I, I can think of I, again. I can't think of specifics, but there were a t- couple times where like it was tricky to get some of those those ones done. But um, happy with how it came out. And you gotta like match the flaps exactly because you can't just like if it's if it's out of sync then it looks bad. Yeah, I I find that um, Western culture cares about that a lot more than Asian culture, um, if that makes sense. So they they uh, it's just my understanding that they they'll put more. Not to say that we don't put emphasis on the performance, we obviously do. <clears throat> but um it just seems like we're the ones here in the u.s that that get 
way more picky about making sure that the flaps fit probably because for so many years uh, we didn't in the early days of it, you know, like people poking fun at like Rita Repulsa's voice on power Rangers or, or some of the really early um, dubs of anime before people out here really knew what anime was. So I think now um, to not fall into the stereotype of a, of a bad dub, that's one thing that they focus on way more. I mean, to me, it doesn't like, to me, I, it's something I learned to, to live with. Like before it used to bother me a little bit, but now it's like, yeah, probably, probably, you know, it is what it is. Like, I can't be too nitpicky about it because it's like, if I'm, if I'm just looking at the, the character's mouth movements, I'm not really looking at the show because it's, mm-hmm. it's like, what am I doing? <laughs> Yeah, that's kind of the whole point is so that you can pay more attention to the animation. I mean, if you, if you, if you otherwise with the subtitle stuff, you're going to be just looking at the bottom of the screen every couple of seconds or maybe the whole way through. And and whenever people get upset about like a line change or something like that, I'm like, have you seen like the lip flaps? There's no way that they could like match all that. In, in that. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, that's just the reality. What bugs me sometimes though is like, if um like in the original japanese material they actually did say a word in english and then it gets changed in the english dub uh like one one um example i can think of was um i think like uh well i can't really go into that one without giving spoilers but you know there there are instances of that out there and it's as as a as somebody just watching it i'm like why would you change it they literally did it for you you know yeah sometimes the changes are weird like one of the things that kind of bugged me about the cells black uh cells uh, uh cells at work code black um dub was that they kept senpai as as a greeting and i'm kind of like okay uh, it sounds weird when people say it in english but okay <laughs> yeah i i don't know about that one i didn't notice it too much because i don't think i ever said senpai i guess maybe there was a scene where there was like new recruits and and by that point kyle's character had been had like won an award or something like that and um but uh i don't know i think it, it becomes kind of a gray area of like how much do you keep from the original and you know, who is your intended audience and how much do you want to appease them? I, that can be a really tricky juggling act sometimes. So it's like um, the the good news is, is that they are trying to think of everybody and they are trying to incorporate that much more stuff. Um, keep, keep it as much more authentic than like the days where they would do something like, I don't know, Krillin's in the house or something like that back when they thought that you had to westernize it all the more to, or else people would change the channel. Uh, what was it? Um, it's kind of funny looking back at like the original Dragon Ball Z dub and seeing how much different it was to Kai, which was much more a truer to the original script. And yeah. And yet, and yet people, because of the nostalgia goggles, they'll be like, no, I, I liked it this way and needs more rock music. And cause that's what they were used to. So. But that version's still there. You can still watch that on on DVD. It's just they were trying to, uh, you know, do something a little bit more faithful to the original this time. I I just love how there's just never ending discourse whenever it comes to like the the um, Dragon Ball dub. Like there, oh, are it's brutal. Who, there are people who prefer the Ocean Crew. There are people who prefer the original dub. 
There yeah. Are people who prefer Kai, and I'm kind of like, you know, pick one. Just, just pick one. <laughs> yeah, it's like every single <clears throat> the comments on any like DBZ or DBZ Kai video. There's always the the argument over which dub was better. Um, somebody has somebody's always got to quote a team four star thing. Um, you, it's it's fun. Yeah, you see more of that of dub versus dub on those than you you see the sub versus dub anymore. At least when it comes, I think when it comes to DBZ related content. Because I, I, I remember watching this interview with Brian Drummond, and the interviewer was just like super biased towards like the the ocean dub and and he was like a big fan of that and he was really being like really biased towards it and he was like oh no i think the the ocean dub was much, was much better than the um than the funimation one and i'm like okay cool but can you not you know can you not do that when you're trying to interview someone and be professional a little bit who, you know who was the interviewer i might have actually seen it I, I don't remember his name, but I, I just turned it off after that. I'm like, you know, you, you have your opinion, sir, but it's kind of really unprofessional well, to do that. They did solid work. Um, the, the, the thing that hurt them back in the day was unfortunately um, censorship issues, which as actors we have no control over. And then um, what they were doing with the dialogue, which again, we, we have no control over i mean we can maybe kind of suggest or question something when we're recording it but i mean if you if you try to change every darn thing you're you're going to get fired because you're holding up the process so but i mean scott mcneil and brian drummond were were two people that actually really inspired me to look into doing this stuff so i i absolutely appreciate their work and I even pointed this out during my interview with uh, Brian Drummond. Like, isn't it funny? Like, the the biggest meme that you're known for is a misquote. Yeah, yeah, that it was actually eight thousand instead of nine thousand. Yeah, yeah. So there you go. It's it's just like, it's fine to have preferences, but I just don't like this. I don't like this gatekeeping. I don't like this idea that oh, this version is the best English dub, and 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 screw the all, all the other versions. I'm like, no. I mean. It's all subjective. You know, one thing that I think is neat is um, when they have the events and they have somebody from the Canadian cast as well as somebody from the Japanese cast. Like I saw a panel that they did in Texas where it was uh, uh, Brian Drummond, Chris Sabat, and uh, Ryo Horikawa, which was just fascinating to me, especially because uh, Ryu actually speaks some some English as well. So. Oh, yeah, I saw that picture. I'm like, yeah, you see, guys, the voice actors don't care. Like, they, they like each other. You know? No, no. I actually remember there was a back in the day when um, Chris Sabat was going to do, like, his first convention in Canada. And um, <clears throat> he knew he was going to run into Scott McNeil. And he's like, what should I say? I'm like, I don't know. Hi, you know? And... uh the, the as the story goes, like he was like, you know, Mr. McNeil, Chris Sabat. And then just right off the bat, uh Scott was like, So you want to have a battle of the piccolos, you know? So so there are there are some actors that get very uh territorial about roles they've done, but um luckily that's you know a little bit more the exception and, and not the rule. It's just you know, there there's gonna be different companies that get uh similar contracts sometimes and i mean shoot how many people played batman you know 
mean, how many people have played Batman? How many people have voiced Spider-Man, for God's sake? Exactly, yeah. You know, too many to count. And I mean, you don't see, like... You don't see like um, Yuri Lowenthal going to a convention and being like, "Oh, if Josh Keaton is there, I don't want to be there." You know, it's right. Yeah. Like, I don't want Chris Pat, vo- uh, Chris Pat voicing my guy in Gujitsu, but you know, that's sort of a different thing altogether. Oh boy, Mushroom Kingdom, here we come! All right, I might as well just like really get get my thoughts out on this because I, I don't think that this is ever going to come up again, but. But when I watch that, I'm like, holy crap, this is terrible. Like, this is legit awful. Like, he did not care. He did not care at all. To to be fair, we haven't heard that much yet. Who knows? You you could watch the movie and end up being blown away. It could all just be a gigantic swerve misdirect. Uh, But I will agree that we've seen much more fun stuff from like Jack Black as Bowser so far. It's weird to me because like listening to Kevin Michael Richardson in the trailer and, and just seeing how, how much he's giving, giving it his all. And I'm just like, why couldn't this part be bigger? You know? (laughs) And it might be again, you know, what we're seeing in in the trailer is just the trailer. It's not the finished product. So um, roll the dice, buy a ticket and see if you like it. I, I remember watching what was it um super pets with dwayne johnson and, and kevin hart and i'm like this is terrible this the, oh god these actors just are trying to do the thing that they do in live action but animated and it's not working it's it's just not working at all yeah well that's a that's a horse of a different color or super dog of a different color i guess i don't know <laughs> whatever pun you want to put in there i've been doing goo puns all day <laughs> So what do I know? No, but but how do you personally feel about um, celebrities in animation? Um, I get the idea behind it. You know, they 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 want to use name value to sell more tickets. There's there's the idea of being a draw, and I think that <clears throat> um, there are certain actors that get it a bit more and lend themselves more to animation. And there are some that are, it's just a, just another day at the office, so to speak. Um, I don't want to name any names or tick anybody off, but I mean, we, I think we all can name like five off the top of our head that we enjoyed in animation and, and maybe three that probably less that we didn't enjoy because they weren't uh, maybe as memorable. So um, I would like to see more parts uh, go to traditional voice voice folk, but I don't know. Like I, I can remember, <laughs> you remember the very first uh, Transformers movie in like 1985? 1987. Was it 87? Oh goodness. Yeah. I'm, I'm thinking the series was 85. Pardon me. I, yeah. It's been a bit of a, bit of a day. Uh, but um you know, like that was, I think, the one that started the trend a little bit with celebrity voices in animated movies. So, um, and and some of them, I thought a lot. I mean, I love that movie, nostalgia and just in general. So, um, I thought everybody, Robert Stack, Leonard Nimoy, uh, Orson Welles, Judd Nelson, um, 
I don't know, man. If it's if it's done right, cool. You know, it's win-win because then you're getting a great performance and you're also getting the 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 draw. I don't know how many people actually go to see an animated movie based upon the marquee value of, of an actor, though, the novelty of it. I think, you know, they're gonna take their kids to it anyway. And then if it's the rock doing Maui or something like that, that's just maybe kind of an added bonus for mom and dad. But you know, what do I know? I mean, I'm not exactly the the Walmart audience. I'm not John Q. Public per se. So I could be wrong. I, mean, I, I personally don't mind it, but at the same time, I, I, I'm just kind of getting tired of these casting decisions that are only being made because they need marketing. And I'm like, okay. Sure. But I mean, shoot, I've been seeing, I can remember like over a decade ago, Billy West just destroying the concept on a panel at Comic-Con in San Diego, but they're still doing it. So something about it must be working or, um, or they don't see any reason to um, change that. But every once in a while, I think you, you do still get the opposite end of the spectrum. The only one I can think off the top of my head was like early two thousands, like the Powerpuff Girls movie was entirely just the original cast and they didn't like swap anybody out with like, you know, Matt Damon or anything like that. But there's got to be other examples. I just can't think of anything right now. I think that they did that because they were just like, yeah, we, we don't plan on making this like a big, a huge deal. So whatever. Mm. <laughs> we weren't trying really hard to market it because I remember it. I remember when that movie came out, I'm like, wait, this was in theaters when? <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, SpongeBob had David Hasselhoff, but I mean, that's more because it is David Hasselhoff on screen. So, and I've actually, I've done a video game uh, with David. So, you know. Oh, which one? Uh, in pain when, when that on the PlayStation network around the PlayStation three days, when that started taking off, I was the main guy, Jarvis. And, um, I don't know how this happened, but they started bringing on celebrities to do cameo spots as themselves to get launched and, 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 uh, into the environments. So we had, uh, David Hasselhoff, Flavor Flav, uh, George Takai, uh, Andy Dick, uh elvira a bunch of them yeah and and did they come in to record with you or was it separate? no no because again you know even on that game it was just just me in the booth it wasn't the kind of title that uh needed ensemble recording because it was just sound bites and, and yelling as you're being thrown uh but i will say that <clears throat> um uh david <laughs> was the reason i needed to uh join aftra at the time because um they're like hey john we love what you're doing we want to keep you on as the main character but we gotta we're flipping this title to being a uh, a union job because of some people that we're bringing on i was like okay well let's do it to it was that the game that got you into sag kind of yeah because because of that sort of scenario yeah that's pretty cool i guess but again like i guess when that happens they're just kind of like yeah we can't you know can't use non-union people anymore (laughs) yeah well it was you know that was back when um you could join aftra for about 1500 which was you know considerably less i I don't even know what what sag after is nowadays but i I believe it's over three grand i mean you get a neumann u87 for that um but uh yeah 
yeah it's it's crazy to me like how um like a lot of people are just joining sag now uh, that like they have like a lot of credits but then they're like oh no I, those are all all non-union projects i'm just joining sag now and i'm like really hmm <laughs> wow that's a whole other thing yeah i know, I know. what else what else abdullah <laughs> no but um the butcher <laughs> god Oh god, that Chamber of Horrors match. <laughs> hey, can I ask you a question? You're in uh, Kuwait, right? Yep. Was the were you, do you watch wrestling at all? It, oh, it, used it, be, I used to be a huge Attitude Era kid growing up. Oh, so. then then can you tell me was the whole deal with Vader threatening the host of Good Morning Kuwait a huge was it really that big a deal out there? Oh, it was really huge because <laughs> Oh man. Cuz oh god, I really I wish they had just told him like what was going to happen. <laughs> like they just set him up. I just, I felt really bad for the guy because it's like, cause they're very strict about, about what you can say on television here, especially if it's local. Right. So him going in, in there and just being told, Oh, they're just going to ask you if wrestling is fake and you know, you know, do, do the bit, you know, and then he did it and he swore and it's like, Oh, uh, how about ever I get done kicking his ass? I come back and I kick your ass. Does that feel fine? Not, we're not here to be insulted. I'm not here to be insulted. God, great television. <laughs> I think that's the, the main reason why they don't tour here anymore. Because it's like... Because <laughs> <laughs> they used No, to, they're they used going to, to Saudi Arabia these days. Because <laughs> they used I guess. to. Back in the day, because a lot of people don't know this, but like they used to um, come here. They were a couple of Kuwaiti shows, but... Unfortunately, yeah, you had like the it. Kuwaiti Cup, I think. Didn't like uh, Ahmed Johnson win that, I think? I, I can't remember. It's so I long know, ago. That's like 96. Because I, I don't know if there is footage that exists of it, but maybe, maybe not. I don't know. But I've, I've been trying to find footage of it, but I can't. Oh, man. Well, so. Some trivia for you. Because <laughs> I know like my, my brother brought like a VHS that said like, oh, it had matches from there. But it's like, who has a VHS player? <laughs> like. <laughs> Yeah, I've got one in storage because there's like some tapes I need to go back and transfer. Uh, but um, yeah, they're they're becoming harder to come to find these days. Um, speaking of wrestling, um, yes. what made you want to get into wrestling? I don't know. I'm I'm kind of an idiot. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, I think that to be more accurate, I guess I'm kind of a masochist. And that, that stuff hurts. But I was. Um, fan of it growing up and um an opportunity presented itself to do uh commentary for an independent show in san diego and then from there i had enough of a personality that they wanted some people wanted me to try being a manager for them which i thought was as high as i would go with that stuff um i didn't know if i could keep up with the how i've always been kind of a gym rat but i just didn't know if i uh, i had what it took um but yeah, I found myself running, excuse me, running a show in San Diego and um, having wrestled on, you know, for, for the likes of people who made it all the way to WWE, like Sin Bodie and Eugene and Brian Kendrick. So yeah, man, just, just go for it. Swing at every ball, see where it takes you, I guess. What was the worst bump you've ever t- taken? Um, God. It, it usually wasn't so much the bumps as it was like I, I, I'd taken a chair shot wrong 
where um, it was um, somebody got me across the back. And I mean, that's no picnic, but I, you know, when done right, you can, you'll, you'll live. Um, but as I'm getting up, my right elbow was kind of at a weird angle and they, I didn't know a second one was coming and the, uh, the edge of the chair went into that sort of like um, funny bone area. That one stung me pretty good. And my hand wasn't working so well for like a day. Um, there's another time I was working a Lucha show in Escondido, which is like Northern County, San Diego. And I remember, um, <laughs> he hates when I tell this story because now we're okay. But Black Mamba didn't like the idea of this uh, funny gringo getting heat at the Lucha show. And uh, I kept interfering on the guy I was managing's behalf, kept putting his leg on the rope to break up a count. So he goes outside the ring and comes after me. And uh, man, uh, Snapmare Takeover. And then he kicked me so hard in the back, like I thought I'd been shot. I had to wear like a, a back brace for a while. It's you know he's like now he's like oh I'm sorry he was trying to like scare me away from doing it I guess there's been a lot of people who didn't like the the idea of this you know who the heck is John Allen why is he getting attention on these shows there's been a lot of people who've shot on me and tried to scare me out of this stuff but like a sucker I would keep coming back for more I don't know why people do that I think that's really um, shitty to do well yeah but I mean it's I do understand the psychology of protecting the business and stuff like that, but um, it, it's only, it was really only just this one particular group that was just so clicky and so full of crap. And I'm not even going to mention their name because they know who they are, but just somebody that um, was a group out in SD that I just, I just, you know, I was never part of their, their tribe. So, you know, how, how dare I get over. Um. But everybody, just about every, I mean, most locker rooms I've been to, uh, everybody's been cool, you know, and they, it makes for fun stories too sometimes. Like I remember this one time a guy shot on me and it's like, I didn't even realize it because he, he wasn't that strong. <laughs> so when I found out afterwards, it was like, man, if that was your best shot, you better run. <laughs> You call that a punch? Come on. Yeah. I was like, that was you really going for it, huh? <laughs> Good to know. Yeah, but but I mean, I think that's kind of like it, to me, it's kind of like amazing that you're even doing this sort of stuff while maintaining like a voiceover career. I think that's kind of amazing, honestly. Thanks. Yeah. I mean, it's just another something to do to fill in the time, really. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it comes in handy because a lot of the time, if, if I would be on these shows, it was the ones that were leaning into the comedy, like freak show wrestling or WPW. So it was like the fact that I can do impressions and stuff. Like they specifically needed somebody like for, for freak show wrestling. Uh, most of my time there, I was wrestling as Trump or doing commentary as like as a Trump impersonator. And um, for, for WPW, it's, a, it's, it's Ricotta Flair. So it's Ric Flair impression. So. Oh, Rick, Rick Flair's like a lot of fun to do. <laughs> Oh my yes. So it's it's combining his stuff, but also adding a lot of cheese puns. And also finding other ways I can turn the woo into another word. Like kind of a, a sub catchphrase I have for Ricotta Flair is Woo do you think you are? So it's been a fun gig. Oh man. It's 
You're going to be loud. doing that in Vegas soon. Oh, cool. Yeah, WPW is going to be putting on uh, shows at uh, Level Up Expo in Las Vegas around uh, February 17th, 18th, and 19th. I can't do it on the 19th, but 17th and 18th, I'll be there. So how do people feel about it? Like people who know you from your um, voiceover thing, like they'd look at that and be like, you do this for a living? Why? (laughs) Sometimes they don't believe me. Like, oh, okay, you wrestle. And then like I'll show them the video like, oh, you actually do. Holy, what the hell? Why? Um, Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of funny doing a couple of different things, because like, you know, if I'm uh, like I was doing the wrestlers will ask me about the voice acting sometimes and and the voice actors a lot of time will ask me about the the wrestling like when i was doing um i was doing freak show wrestling in like 2018 and um uh that was around the time that uh, fully coolly progressive was coming out so so chupacabra from um uh hood slam was asking me about that whereas like uh greg chun will ask me about like so you're really wrestling tonight man that's crazy you know so yeah does that stuff hurt <laughs> oh my yes I, oh my yes uh again i i don't take the craziest of bumps i mean if you're doing an impression of flair or or trump you're not exactly doing 450 moon salts into thumbtacks although now people will probably ask me to do that um but yeah i i've <laughs> there there've definitely been uh nights and days where i'd be walking a little bit funny the day after and be like why don't i do this again it's a hell of an adrenaline rush though oh man it just reminds me of that footage of mick foley like just seeing him like hobble out of the ring after taking yeah bumps it's just yeah he's doing better these days since he he did the yoga thing and dropped some weight but yeah I mean, it just, I think my funniest mixed story is people asking him like about the, the undertaker cell thing. And then one guy going up to him and being like, huh? So the, the table broke your fall, right? The (laughs) table broke your fall, right? Not exactly. (laughs) Trying to think if I've ever gone through a table in my career. I don't, think i have so that's that's still on the to-do list i know that that eric that was like <laughs> that was definitely on his bucket list and we did a bit on wpw where he went through one but you know what the the, the thing is it's actually really hard to find wooden tables anymore there's very few people who sell them if you go to like costco or something they're usually plastic because you know you leave them outside and the, the wood rots so yeah well, Japanese tables it is then. <laughs> I guess so. Yeah. Happy medium. Yeah. And just seeing people take bumps on those ta- on those Japanese tables is just oh, it's so painful. Mm. <laughs> Cuz they don't break. <laughs> yeah, I don't need to do that anytime soon. <laughs> yeah. Um you know, as as a wrestling fan, like what what are some of your favorite matches from the past couple of years or decades or how many long have you been watching it? Um, I first started watching it around '92, but I've you know obviously gone back and watched stuff um, before then as well. There's there's a lot. Um, 
it's hard. I mean, there's so many over the years, it's hard to pick out just a couple. But um, I can recall WrestleMania three um, stands out to me for a number of reasons. Um, I was actually doing a, a podcast a number of years ago called You Should Watch Wrestling. And I, the, the challenge was like there was a guy who on the show who didn't watch it, didn't like it. And I was like, I want to find one that I think even he would like. And I went with um, Macho Man Randy Savage versus uh, Ricky Steamboat. And um, I won him over because that match was just that damned good. And I also like uh, Hogan Andre, obviously. Different kind of spectacle, but um, for a lot of reasons, it's just fascinating to watch to me. You know, knowing the kind of situation Andre was in at the time, just how big Hogan was popularity-wise at the time, the passing of the torch. There, there's so much. So more contemporary ones, um, uh, like a lot of the ECW stuff. Um, one that I like to... This, this is a fun one to me was was marty Jannetty versus kurt angle when they were building up to angle versus Shawn michaels because of um that match had no business being as as good as it was but it was amazing because marty and kurt worked so well together so it was such a surprise but there's there's so many over the years man a lot of I vader mean, stuff i mean we could just talk about wrestling all day but <laughs> No, because like I, I, you know, because you know, being a being a wrestling fan, like it's it's hard to really come by people who, who appreciate it. Because like a lot of people just look at it and be like, "You went you into this stuff? Why?" <laughs> yeah, well, until you've been there. I mean, I think a lot of people haven't had the the benefit of watching it live and just feeling the as cliche, but the electricity, you know, and the atmosphere. If you've just seen it on TV, it's it's not the same. I think that's that's part of it. Obviously, because I I because I I've talked to people who were like there during like, you know, the heyday of WCW and being like, yeah, because I remember with someone on Twitter telling me like, yeah, man, I was there when um when Goldberg beat Hogan for the title on WCW and, and the place exploded when yeah. he won and it's like, you you just don't get that anymore. You know, you just don't you just don't. Yeah, it's. I mean, that, again, not the whole conversation unto itself as far as, you know, where's some of the magic gone. But still, I mean, it's still just going and seeing a live show, especially even the independent ones where it's a little bit more of an intimate atmosphere uh, or experience, rather. Um, you know, I, I watch, I go to more indie shows than like the AEW and WWE ones, partially because there's, you know, more independent shows to be watched, but also it's, you know, you get to be closer to the ring less money <laughs> yeah I'm at, I'm at that point where i just like i'm just gonna stick to like the classic stuff because i really don't you know modern wrestling is just whatever you know it is it's a thing but well we're not really the target demo yeah. exactly anymore at least with wwe so I, I don't know how old you are but i know how old i am and i'm like yeah they're they're aiming towards like the nine-year-olds and ten-year-olds because that's where the money is so it's smart from a business standpoint but you know I, I just now yeah, will never hire me. <laughs> no, no, I just don't like where the business is going. I don't like these these like forty minute spot fests. Like, give me give me good guys, give me bad guys, give me like the dumb shit that you know that you. Oh, have <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, I've I've never been a fan of like devaluing. Yeah, the the whole like, again, I don't want to say any names or anything, but like, um, 
turning people's finishers into transitional moves and stuff like that, you know, and not selling. And it's like, it's exhausting to watch because if, if you're not going to sell, if you're not like, how, why should I invest emotionally in it if nothing matters? You know what I mean? I mean, look, I love the Road Warriors, but it's really hard to go back to, to watch some of their stuff because they, they are notorious for no selling shit. <laughs> but that's a little different. I mean, that was their, they were like the only guys doing it back then. But yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah, I yeah but I mean, but it, I mean, it is much more jarring now to see like, someone taking like a finisher and then just like popping back up. Like it's nothing. I'm like, sure. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. Oh, it's so, it's so stupid. Like, I don't like this idea that, Oh, you need like five finishers just to put one guy down. I'm like, why, what does that, what does that do from a storytelling standpoint? It doesn't put anyone over like, why? Right. (laughs) I mean, I I get that they, the psychology behind it is like giving a little bit more bang for your buck and telling a more epic story, but Yeah. Especially when you got so many of those in a row doing the same thing, it can be kind of exhausting. Takes yeah, the I mean, fun out of it, I think. Yeah, yeah, that's that's why I'm like, you know, look, I've watched some of these matches that people are hyped up about, and I'm like, look, I mean, if you if you enjoy this sort of stuff, cool. I'm not, I'm not, be, I'm not gonna be that guy who's like, oh, you shouldn't enjoy this because it's terrible, blah blah blah. Because I, I don't care, you know, you do you. But for me, I'm just gonna stick to the, the classic stuff from now on because I, you know, yeah. that's the stuff I grew up with and. And there you go. Like, and I'll just... keep an eye on it too. Like, you know, when CM Punk came back, I checked that out. <laughs> I was more interested in like the backs, the, the drama. <laughs> oh, well, yeah. Well, there's that. <laughs> that was more entertaining than anything that happened in the ring. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> I thought it was cool when he came back, gave everybody the ice cream bars. <laughs> Did you have any other questions? Yeah. Anyway, yeah, I realized I've been going way too long. I'm so sorry. Oops. Yeah, um, people are like, wasn't this a voice acting podcast? What the hell? <laughs> Welcome to the show. Anyway, uh, before we get going, um, is there anything you're currently working on that you can talk about, or is everything under NDA? Uh, yeah, that does kind of take some of the fun out of it. Um, let's see here. Well, Tasty Tales of the Food Truckers finally got some distribution here in the States, so I'm pretty happy with that. Um, I can tell you that there will be more Heroes of Gujitsu at some point soon. Um, I mean, I'm still auditioning for stuff all the time, but otherwise, yeah, it's they, they like to be the ones that make the announcements, so I can't really drop in too many bombshells here, you know? pretty sure like there's a lot of stuff you record and you're like when are they gonna announce this when are they gonna- dude yeah there's um let's see there's a, a movie i did uh like three years ago that i'm wondering like when's it coming out that happens a lot actually there's a lot of stuff in the pipeline that it, it can be easy to lose track of sometimes even if you're diligent about following up and asking but um who knows who knows what the future holds and where can people find you online? All right, I will tell you, but this time they actually have to do it. <laughs> I'm so sick of dropping all the social medias and then nothing happens. Uh, okay, on Facebook, it is uh, facebook.com slash John Allen VO, J O N A L L E N V O. On Twitter, which I don't think is controversial in any way these days. It is at King John Allen, K-N-G-J-O-N-A-L-L-E-N. On Instagram, it is the John Allen. I wish they were all the same. 
at T-H-E-J-O-N-A-L-L-E-N. Um, I do have a TikTok account. I haven't really done anything with it yet because it's like, <sighs> how many things do I have to do, right? But that one is uh, uh, John Allen VO as well, like the Facebook one. So, I mean, you can tag me and stuff and say hi, but I haven't produced any content just yet. Yeah, and, and that, don't that's worry. About it. Don't worry. Like, I'm pretty sure like something's big, big is gonna drop, and people are gonna be like, "Why didn't you talk about that thing?" Because I, di- I didn't know. Okay. <laughs> I didn't like, know. yeah, I couldn't. I literally was not leaked. I mean, I just signed an NDA today. Like, I, they're pretty strict about that, and it's not worth uh, losing a career over. And the people that do violate those things, like, what are you doing? Just for like two extra lights and a, likes and a retweet? You idiot. <laughs> anyway, see you at the uh, bread line. Yeah. Anyway, uh, thanks so much for taking the time off to do this. This has been wonderful. Thanks for having me. Let's uh, do it again sometime. Sort of kept you waiting for so long. <laughs> it's okay. Thanks uh, so much. Take care. Goodbye. I got to get to Bonehenge rehearsals. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.